0: Hi, I'm Sherry
1: Fella, the founder of BloomBase. And I'm Allison Loughran, partner at BloomBase. Welcome to the Power 2 podcast. On this podcast, we explore power from a feminine perspective, how it shows up in and with people from diverse experiences. We want to explore how, when, and why humans feel powerful, and when they don't, how to get there. Power 2 is personal power, the ability to choose our own states and behaviors.
0: Our intent with this conversation isn't just to have an intriguing conversation. Our intent is to have an impactful one, one that opens up possibilities and may even change behaviors. Welcome to Power Two.
1: So I'm so excited to be back here on the Power Two podcast and our Fight Forward series. And today we have Allison, of course, in the house. Yes. <laughs> and we have Anitria Faith Bailey back with us. Hello. And Hi. we have Dr. Vanessa McLeod back with us again. Mm. Dr. Vanessa is like, that's right. I'm in the house. I'm ready. Today, we're going to explore the topic of leadership and how diversity, equity, and inclusion cross into leadership and why that's important, even what it is. So, So ladies, why don't we start there? What is diversity, equity, and inclusion from your spaces? And I mean, we can start high level. We can start wherever you want. I just feel like that phrase is thrown out a lot. So let's just get grounded in what we mean by that. Diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI.
2: Yeah. So to me, it's, it's a little complex because there's many different, is different facets of it. So the diversity part is I see myself. Mm -hmm. in that group I am not seeing it's not self versus you know other or that social divide is what we're learning it is more we the collective equity is that we all have the same influence to me the influence to shape in the trajectory of our life uh, make decisions for ourselves or for others for the benefit of others and then that inclusivity I think is that voice you know um, having a voice and a say in the decisions that are being made that are about you or that influence you or the way you live. So to me, it's a very complex thing. It's not just, I think most of the time when we think of DEI it's just diversity. How do we get more minorities? How do we get more women? And it's not that is how do we get them at seats of power, seats of influence to make decisions for other people that look like the world. I don't know if I've gone too long, but that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to DEI.
3: Yeah, I agree with Nitri in the fact that it's a complex situation. However, it's not so complex because we all understand that it's important to have a diverse team. And a diverse team is not just black and white, it's black, white, Asian, Latinx, Latino. It's also in terms of your your age. It's also in terms of your gender. We understand that there are many different perspectives, but in order to reach that, it takes leadership. It takes the leadership at the highest level to set the tone for the rest of the organization. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to put a diversity statement out or have a diversity and inclusion policy, but it's another thing to foster and create an environment that supports that diversity statement Mm -hmm. or that policy. And it starts at the top. So it's, it's fostering that environment It's looking at the leadership to take the lead in doing that. And then it's casting the net wide enough to recruit those specific populations. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are in the local municipalities or if you're in the surrounding areas and you're looking for an African-American example, if you're looking for an African-American leader or an African-American manager, you need to cast that job description in the African-American community. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for Latino, Hispanic, you need to reach out to some of the local Hispanic organizations and let them know. So you need to make a concerted effort to extend that net in order to let those groups know that you are inviting them in. And mm-hmm. you would like to recruit from those areas.
1: Yeah, I'm struck by what you're both saying in terms of because I agree with what you both said too often. And Nutria, sure you said it. DEI is lumped in, and it's just diversity. We forget the E in the I. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the examples we talked about, Dr. Vanessa earlier, was how we're looking for a diverse workforce, but we only open up opportunity or place the rec in a white place, right? Where white people show up. So are we really about diversity, equity and inclusion? Right. So for me, I think it'd be helpful and you started to get to this both of you. How do we talk about DEI in action? All three of those, like what does diversity look like in action for impact? Like if you want diversity, how do you get to impact not just activity? It's one thing to post a wreck. It's another to actively behave in diverse ways, right? Mm -hmm. Same with equity and inclusion. So I don't know how, does that feel right for you, all. I feel like we need to unpack each of those behaviorally. Yeah.
0: yeah. Because to Mitra's standpoint, I think there's so much to that. And
1: to your question, like, what's the behavior? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's start with diversity. What does that look like in action? Go ahead, Amitra. So for me, I'll just start by giving an example. Like, So I went to IEPUI and one of the... Uh, Camps that they sponsor the Power Summer Camp, preparing outstanding women for engineering roles. And it was established in conjunction with Rolls Royce. And at the time I went to IEPUI, I was interning at Rolls Royce. What better student to have to facilitate? So, one of the issues they struggled with was diversity. All the candidates were white girls, that was all they got. So, they pulled me in as one of the camp counselors, one of the coordinators of the event, and they said, Hey, Nietzsche, we're struggling with diversity. We need to diversify our candidates for the power camp. Done. All I did was reach back home to Gary and the high schools within the area and then surrounding Indianapolis area instead gave them the same promotional marketing material and then talked to my mother and she reached out to friends and we had a busload of young ladies from Gary who were able to attend the power summer camp. It was just that simple. And I, I want to tell this story because I didn't have any influence at that time or enough influence to at least reach out. But I wasn't in an executive position. I didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of sources. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the program was still just getting started. And yet we were able to increase diversity, I would say, between 40 and 50 percent at that point just for that summer camp alone. So... When you talk about diversity, it's about reaching out to everyone. I, it, it was like an isolated set of schools that they reached out to. And they, I guess for, I don't know what the, the reasons are for not approaching minority or diverse areas with the same opportunities. That's a whole nother conversation because I think there's some fear there about a white person, colleague at IEPY reaching out to a high school in Gary. Maybe there's some intimidation there. But that's for another topic, but reaching out, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that complicated. I think the game changer was they invited someone with the know-how or like Allison from, you know, other discussions who wasn't opening to the society that they wish to recruit from. And that was me. And so they made that connection. They gave me the call to action, took care of it. There you go. So sometimes it's just as easy as that. We've made it so complicated. And formal. Yes. <laughs> it is not rocket science.
1: <laughs> it isn't. And that's why I would, I want you to respond to Dr. said That's what I wanted to unpack today because I feel like somehow DEI has become a KPI. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's, It's a bigger story than that. And it actually doesn't need to be, as you said, like that complex. I'm all about measurements and whatnot, but I think we overcomplicate it and we make it so hard and then that's our excuse to not hold ourselves accountable for impact.
3: It's about casting your net. And that's what they did with Nitri. They asked her, she cast her net all the way from Indianapolis to Gary. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure there are some local area Indianapolis schools that are at 95% African-American that they could have reached out to. Mm -hmm. So again, we're not sure why or what happened, but I know that there's a number of schools there in Indianapolis that they probably could have reached out to, but do they have the connection? Have they uh, collaborated with? And so sometimes we do an exercise called the trusted 10. The trusted 10, we ask you to, and we'll just do say three or four, for instance. Okay. We ask you, write down four names of people that you trust. It can't be your spouse and it can't be your family. Write down the first four people. And if you can just think in your mind, usually those people are just like you or they assimilate to who you are. Yeah. Then we ask you to step out of your comfort zone and take action in order to identify some other people that's not similar to you. Mm -hmm. So we ask you to introduce yourself, invite others in, and the way to do that is having the conversation so that in six months I should be able to ask you Write down, six months, eight months, write down four names of people that you would trust. And hopefully we can see some diversity. That's the same thing that you could do within your organization. If people would take the time to know what we see is above that Mm waterline, but we never take the time to have those conversations below the waterline. And that's when conversations begin that's when you begin to know people and know them on a more personal level. Yeah. But sometimes we're afraid to do that.
1: So true. I felt like Allison was having an epiphany while you were she talking.
3: She was, I saw <laughs> her face.
1: <laughs> I know her mouth dropped and she kind of froze for a minute. I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear
0: this. It's, but it's so true. You know, to your point, even coming from corporate America, we used to hear that a lot, that, you know, trying to pull bias out and trying to identify when you're biased. And that is so simple to demonstrate that the people you trust look just like you. And I consider myself of a fairly diverse circle from all kinds of different levels. To your point, Dr. Vanessa, you know, sexual identity, whatever. Or people who look just like me sprang to mind. That surprised
3: me. And we call it the trusted 10 because usually we ask you to list 10 people, but that takes time. So then we dropped and we said, well, let's five people. But if your list represents people who are just like you, then your assignment for the next month, 30 days, is to stretch out your net and identify someone who's different than you Mm -hmm. and befriend them and have a conversation with them and engage them.
2: Yeah. The same is true on the opposite end of it. I found myself because of comforter, lack thereof, not wanting to have white males as my mentors or coaches. I only wanted women or a black women because I'm like, you don't know my struggle, but I feel like I was missing an opportunity to cast my net to a population of people who maybe would be willing to support me. And so I had to intentionally make a list of white men at Rolls Royce that I trusted, that yeah. I wouldn't mind bringing into my circle and telling them, you know, personal things like my mental health struggles and things, and know that they will have the integrity and the willingness to support me and have my back. So the same is true for all of us to assess our circles and our nets. But specifically in this case, we want white people <laughs> to assess their net.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say as an example of that, Dr. Rasmus, you said about your top 10 or your top four, I hope we can get this client on to talk with us, but we have a client that actually as a CEO has noticed this and he's been through an exercise similar And what he's doing now, which I encourage everyone listening, if you're in a leadership role to do, Is created a council of sorts throughout the organization, different levels, different, all kinds, to your point, all kinds of diversity, not just our skin color, Mm -hmm. um, because he wanted a super highway of communication and not wait till people got promoted to the level he normally hears from. So that's something that is easy to do for any leader. Does it take a little coordination? Yes. Does it take some trust building, to your point? And will yeah. that be way more powerful in six months than it is right now? But to, to your point, starting somewhere, imagine how powerful that's going to be in a year for that
3: organization. And, and send they, a statement out. He should send a statement out.
0: Yeah. Today I
3: want to identify a core group of people that will represent the diversity population of our organization. Simple.
1: Mm -hmm. And so powerful, and and his only intent was, I'm not hearing from voices different than mine.
3: Right. Right. My board of directors is very diverse. I purposely went out to identify people that could serve on the board, and once they saw how diverse my board was, people were calling me to get on my board. I represent (laughs) three counties, Lake Porter, LaPorte County, so I have most all of the chancellors Chancellor from IUN is on my board, Chancellor from Purdue, representation from the president of Valparaiso, Ivy Tech. Then I have a few LGBTQ members Mm
0: -hmm.
3: on there. I have about three persons who are gay. And I had one of my board members say, I can't go to this event with you, Vanessa, because it's against my religion to go to this event where there's a population of gay people. We don't believe in that. And I had to talk to my board member to say, I'm not being disrespectful to you and your religion, but let's respect people for who they are. They're human beings. I'm not the judge. I'm not God. You understand what I'm saying? We're so quick to say I can't. And I said, we need to foster and build an environment just based on the fact that you are a human being Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you are a human being i cut and you cut we bleed the same Mm bread someone dies someone you your heart hurts my heart hurts when we have children we all want our children To be able to go to a school, get a quality education, it doesn't matter who you are. It's the human race. Mm -hmm. How did that land with that board member? Well, I'll say it landed pretty good because I addressed it. I didn't ignore it. Mm -hmm. The point is having a courageous conversation. It was in private, it was at the right time, it was at the right moment. I didn't call that person out in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. I called and said, you know, Sherry, can we have a conversation? When you have time, I just need a few minutes to let's, let's talk about this.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And the person listened, understood, respected my comment, I respected theirs, but I let it be known that our board represents a diverse population of people. Right. And right. we will respect them for who they are.
1: And mm-hmm. I love what you said. It's so beautiful and such, I think, a powerful bridge into inclusion, which we can go to next, which is you holding your values and beliefs doesn't mean it has to be disrespectful for you to honor me. Correct. Or just treat me, accept me as a human being. You don't have to accept what I choose but just at the humanity level. Yes. So let's let's use that. What What is inclusion in action? So I think you just actually gave it a lot of definition right there, Dr. Vanessa, but...
3: I, I think so. Inclusion in action is acceptance. Mm-hmm. I
2: right. we totally believe that.
3: It's acceptance. It's like respect that. for humankind, mm-hmm. mankind, womankind. I'm looking at President Biden right now and his appointees Mm -hmm. and the diversity that's going on as we speak. I'm happy to see that. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. It is incredible. And that's what we all should do. If your board of directors is all white, then you need to look and take a Mm self-inventory and say, how can we recruit if my board is all African-American I need to take inventory on yeah. what is that saying? If I'm going to talk about diversity and inclusion, I need to be about it and I yeah. need to act on it.
1: And he has such a beautiful job in terms of just his religion and his beliefs and holding true to them. He's completely grounded in his Catholic beliefs, but does not impart those beliefs on everybody. I hadn't thought about it in that way before.
2: And that's how, I think that's the confidence and, um, that everyone needs to build up in themselves. And when I say confidence, have confidence in be- strengthening your own beliefs, but have that confidence that you don't need to impose it upon others, that you can respect others for their choices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and even the choices that they can't make, like the color of their skin, just respect them <laughs> for who they are. And that's kind of, that's how my mother raised me. Like, you know, growing up,
3: she exposed us
2: to people from all backgrounds.
3: Everybody.
2: Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> the thing is now she accepted everyone. But if you came to stay at our house, she didn't care if you was atheist, Muslim, whatever, you was going to church. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Everybody had to go to church just like whatever they were. <laughs> but on Sunday morning, if you in Vanessa's house, you going to church. church.
1: And if you're, if you're a grandkid, you get gum or candy while you're (laughs) in church. So I'd love your reaction to this. I've heard inclusion from a woman of color told me this actually several months ago. She said, and I won't get her words right. I should have written them down. Inclusion to her felt like more than permission to be there. It felt like they were valued in the room. She was valued in the room. So it wasn't just tolerated to be in the room, Mm -hmm. valued.
3: To That's be in the room. Very powerful. Yes. Yeah. Valued in terms of respecting and accepting that person for who they are. Mm-hmm. You are exactly right.
2: Yeah. And appreciative for what you what learning can come from it, what growth can come from it. So, you know, I find it strange because the way my mother raised me was to be around different people. So I was surrounded by, you know, minorities, black people. And surrounded by different groups of people because she worked at Purdue Calumet, and we would go on college tours, and she would take busloads of college students on college tours. So the world that I saw was diverse; it was blended. But when I exited my shell, if you will, to the real world, and went to IEPUI, it was like, dang, I'm. Or when I stepped outside of Gary, it was like, dang, I'm black. So, yes, it is about that feeling that, you know, not only that you're welcome, but you're valued and appreciated. Um, And I think what we consider diversity is not being that complicated. What I mean by that is, as a child, you grow up and diversity isn't an issue, isn't a thing. When I go to the daycare to pick up my kids, they all play together. They don't know any difference. It's just, it is. Everyone is included. And then over time, we grow these judgments and boxes and differences, and then we realize we're actually different and we're separating this us versus them. And so, if we can go back to a childlike mentality about diversity, I think we can <laughs> get this thing right. right.
0: Dr. Vanessa, I'm just going tell you, that was so striking to me. Everything you're saying is blowing my mind today, obviously. Like I'd never heard inclusion explained so succinctly and all-encompassing in just a matter of a couple words. And it it made me wonder what again, like, what does that look like? Like, how does that feel if you're in that environment, like you're bored? What are inclusive behaviors? Because I feel like that is a piece that, that a lot of people
3: might miss. It, it feels powerful. It's, it's empowering. Just like Nitri said, it's not complex. We make it complex. We make it difficult. When I'm in the room with some community people, a couple of parents, the chancellors, a person who's over the art program, you know, I have just all of the, a younger person, a a couple of millennials that know how to navigate the technology (laughs) much faster than I do. You know, when everyone is in the room and everyone is accepting, again, that comes from the leadership. I pride myself in being a transformational leader. I'm going to make it happen, and I'm going to bring everybody together and say, we will play in the sandbox together. There's no big I's and there's no little use. Everyone, whether you're the chancellor, or I'll sit at the head of the table, or whether I have to go in the hood mm-hmm. and meet you there. We're all valued, and we're all going to be accepting of each other. What's up? Yeah. Love that. I think that's how I always was, just like Anitri alluded to that, you know, there were a number of diverse people in my world. Mm-hmm. And she saw that and experienced that. Yeah. Well, to your point,
0: too, that's the power that gives that group with all of the different lenses. And that is power. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at the power, Anitria, you brought to our team. I mean, obviously your lived experience, you're an engineer, you're a business owner, you grew up in Gary, I grew up in Southern India, all those different lenses are like incredibly Mm -hmm. powerful for us. I don't have them.
3: Right. And the other thing too, Sherry, you have to make sure that as a leader, you develop the trust. Mm -hmm. You have to encourage and develop trust in your group. Mm -hmm. So that the person that came to me that said they were uncomfortable, at least they came. Mm-hmm. Right. They felt comfortable in coming to say how they felt. Yeah. But that starts from the head.
2: Totally. Yeah.
3: Totally agree. And I
2: think even from a mental health perspective, it was tough sharing my story from a because you know, as I got into management, it was this, this, this tug of war between. Will it define me? Will it hold me back? Will I be judged? It was all those negative voices associated with that. But then I stepped out on faith and believed that there are people who are struggling and they need to see a leader set an example. And so I shared my story. And from there, it has kind of like caught fire that we're doing this coping with change thing on Wednesday um, with my wider business group. But it's just, it's surprising for all of them because they see an executive leader talking about mental health and their personal struggles with mental health. But that's how you also normalize it. This shouldn't be a big deal. (laughs) Yes. It shouldn't be a big deal. This should be normal to talk about because I am not the only one struggling,
1: Won't that be amazing? Mm -hmm. Like even the conversation, Dr. Vanessa, you're saying about your board member, won't that be amazing? We don't have to talk about things like courageous conversations. We're just all having normal ones. Like we can all just be human. No one has to compare, judge or be scared of or see someone as a threat or Mm -hmm. uh, along for that day.
3: Our health, wellness and advocacy committee is meeting on Wednesday. And one of the agenda items is mental health because if anything, this whole COVID pandemic has really put some stressors on families and parents and students. So we're having a conversation to talk about mental health, and I'm going to be in a workshop, an all-day workshop the end of April, on how to identify the signs of mental health and how to respond to people And so that's the other piece. We have to continue to learn and become aware because of the things that are going on in my office, in my community, because it has been, um, should I say, heightened because of the insurrection, because of COVID, because people aren't able to pay their bills or feed their families, Mm -hmm. because they're waiting on the stimulus check. They were working at a buffet, a Golden Corral. They were working there and all of a sudden now they were cut off. Our buffet restaurant on Route 30 has not opened. Mm -hmm. I can't think of how many people that affected the movie theaters. Right. You know, making what, $7.25 an hour and people in Washington are complaining about increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour. How dare you? Right. People mm-hmm. don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. It's awful, the need out here. Yeah. So we have to understand that that alone deals with a person's mental health, Must less those of us that are working every day and we can pay our bills, we still have a certain amount of mental issues that are going on. Just mm-hmm. trying to juggle everything. Mm-hmm. Just trying to stay on top of everything. You know, just like Anitra with the children over here, her uh, the Green District over there, Rolls Royce over here, the church over there. You know that that's a lot. It is. Moonbase.
2: Moonbase. Great. Moonbase. We. Yes. we- in. I just need a, right. woman, a nanny. I need a nanny. <laughs> you do, uh,
1: because mental health. I think mental health is a big part of inclusion. I mean, it's it is it is a really big part of inclusion and, and diversity and equity. It's a big part of all of it, and it doesn't get talked about enough. And to your point, Anita, I feel like we should do a whole conversation about mental health, particularly in different communities and how that's mm-hmm. impacted. Because it does need to be normalized. We're all on the mental health spectrum. We are all yeah. of us. All of us slide up and down that sucker all the time.
3: And I don't know if my daughters realized the mental issues I was going through just raising them. I, I, I th- bet. I think they realized it later. Yes. You know, I I think when Nitri had Wise, the first my first grandson, you know, she was like, "Ma, I I don't know how you did this. How in the world?" did you do this every day and stay sane but she didn't know I was half crazy right exactly I'm I'm with you Dr.
1: Vanessa my mom who had four when I asked her the same questions she's like I don't remember any of it (laughs) (laughs) I'm like oh that's why you still love us you don't remember how we almost killed you so So the last section we haven't got to, which I feel like everything's connected to it, is equity. So what is equity and what does it look like in action in terms of behaviors? So we can just round out this discussion here.
3: Equity is making it comparable to the ones that have the most need. Say that again, Dr. Vanessa. Equity is making it comparable to the group, to the one that has the most need.
1: Wow. I just got to let that sink in for a minute.
3: So we're running a race and there's a clip, a video clip I'm going to send you. I believe it's called Unequal Opportunities. Mm-hmm. And it's a track. People are running around the track. So so the person shoots the gun up in the air. The white male starts running. The white female starts running. But the African-American and Latino are still The gate is still down. People are running around the track once, twice. Then finally, the gate is let up. So you've already had two laps around the track while I'm still trying to catch up. So equity means not just raising the gate up for me to run, but putting me in a golf cart and letting me catch up with you. Mm -hmm. So you need to provide more to me because I've been held back. And as I've tried to catch and run around the race, there's been discrimination. There's been housing, redlining. Mm -hmm. There's been racial profiling. There's been funding that has been cut in my school district. But you're still running around the race. So equity is not just Just raising the gate up, allowing me to run, but it's also providing more resources to me so that I can catch up. Right.
1: What I just heard you say was equity does not mean equal. Correct.
3: Mm-mm.
1: And I think too many folks stop there. Are well, you all got, we, that's equity. We are no, no, no. Go ahead, Anitra, I'm sorry.
2: No, I was going to say that, That I'm just taken back because that's what we've lived. And remember I said the other day for Black women in general, you know, just think how powerful I would be or another Black woman would be if these obstacles weren't in our way, if there was a such thing as equity. How well, much first more- First of all, you would be running the free world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because we already <laughs> we already reviewed the 45 different incredible roles and successes you've had, but I digress. Back to you, Anitra. But
2: that is just the whole, you know- if there was a such thing as equity and not only equity, but if diversity and inclusion was a part of that as well, just think how far how you could propel a community of people forward. Right. How much better off our world and civilization would be. You know, that's the way I think of it. Well,
1: I, I'll to be honest, like I, of course, in my in my head want to think I knew equity was not equal, totally get that part. But the way you described it of having it be to the person most in need, Yes, that level, that person gets whatever they need and then some.
3: Correct. Mm-hmm.
1: I just feel like a lot of people listening today may have even thought about that. But if you go right to your organizations now, leaders that are listening and think, so if I were to say, for diversity candidates, whatever those are in organizations, that now they get an executive coach and they get, and maybe other people don't. Well, we would never do that. That's not equal. That's right. It's not equal. It's equitable.
3: Correct. There you go. go. And it's getting people to understand that. It's getting people to acknowledge that, which is why the video clip that I will send you. Yeah, we'll post it with us, Dr. V. Very good excellent way of explaining it and then there's another picture that I'll send you also of three persons that are looking over at a baseball field and they're on three different levels there's a taller person there's a shorter person there's a shorter person and so okay we'll give you something to stand on so that you can see over why not lower the fence great right look at Allison. No. I her.
2: <laughs> she she <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I said it's not, it's, comp. we've made it complicated, but it's really not that hard.
1: And it's not, and here's the example I would give. That's in no way comparable to this. It's just an example is to say, if we have people late for work and we know that one person is just, doesn't like getting up on time. No reason, just don't like get up on time. The other person is caring for an aging parent. And the other person is hitting cancer treatments before they come into work. We're not going to treat them all the same. Can't. That's not fair. fair <laughs> quotes, since no one else is seeing me, but the three of us. <laughs> but the reason I believe, I'd love to hear your reaction to this, having started out or spent a little bit of my current HR, it's why we have employee handbooks and we have all these simple rules. It's not because they're right, it's because they make things appear to be easy for those managers. And what I hope we do, everyone's going to be like, you just say get rid of the employee handbooks. Yes, I did. I said it out loud. <laughs> because what I what we need to all be able to do is just meet people where they are instead of mm-hmm. trying to make these broad policies and rules that don't really match anyone as a human being. Because we're messy. They can't go in a rule book. We don't fit a rule book, do we? What yeah. do you guys
3: think of that? Meet people where they are, but also use your power and use your white privilege yeah.
1: to make change. Let's talk about that. That's a great segue into what should leadership look like in terms of impact, not activity?
3: Using your Privilege, yes, and using your power to make change. So, what does that so, look like in action? Go ahead,
2: Anitra. You're going to say so. Some. For example, this is my idea of what we could do at a at a corporate level to to for a leader, for example, to show more impact versus action. Instead of having a DNI plan and letting all the other people push the agenda, they actually set it out that number one, is a part of pay, that there's some type of consequence for it. That's number one. But number two, they action it and show lead by example themselves. So how many leaders at the executive level are coaching people that don't look like them? Love that. Great. So the first thing they do is like assessing that list. How many of their mentees are non-white or non-Caucasian? Love
0: men- that. That's Perfect. the
2: first thing they can do. Their network system, when they when they look at their network of people, how many black owned businesses or black consultants or coaches or what have you do they have in their sphere of network to cast their net if they're looking for candidates to be their mentees? You know, opportunities that they see come up, you know, that they would have at least one diverse recommendation for any open opportunity that they see. Love that. I mean, it's
1: just simple. Simple, but what you said is that's impact, what you just described. What we too often see and what we say to our clients is we'll work with you all day if you're trying to have impact. Like you said, if you're trying to do that interior journey, own your part, own your privilege, right, Dr. Vanessa? But if you're just about moving, These DEI plans around each year and having activity, but no impact. We don't want to be a part of that. And we're not doubting your intention is good. It just doesn't work. It's just not full of impact. It's Mm -hmm. not impact because you don't have a measurable action plan and result. And And result. result. I think of all the millions and millions of dollars that have gone into DEI plans and ERGs, employee resource groups, and all this stuff. Great intention. I don't have any judgment around that. Great intention, but we have
2: not moved the needle. Correct. Not moved the needle, and I think because we talked about this last time, but or you know, for the recording sake, kind of, we're not reaching the right audience with our DEI efforts. We're not reaching white males, and what I found with ERGs and the reason why it's been more action versus impact is that when we set up or at least at the company I'm at when we set up the ERGs in a way it was promoted we ostracized and alienated the exact population that we really need to reach (laughs) I had a resource manager at the time that the ERGs were starting to get in motion and he was new at the company asking how to get engaged and I proposed you know him white male get involved with the black employees network I'm trying to get him to be informed immerse himself into a different culture. And he was like, that's interesting. He's like, you know, they have a black employees network, but they don't have a white employees network. Well, no to self, <laughs> see where you stand. But I also took it as a reflective question. Like, let me think about that. Did we do this the right way? Did we approach it the right way? Because at the forum, I was naive and excited about the ERGs and had yet to appreciate the fact that maybe we were alienating a group of people. How do we engage that group? And so that's that's one thing I've noticed with the ERGs, or at least how we've rolled it out. I think that we made some errors that need to be corrected to reach that population.
0: Again, great intention to get those groups of people together to create that bond or that like their inclusivity where it might not exist. But it feels like it's putting the onus on them to try to make the change. Which yeah. feels bothersome to me. Like, tell us what we need to be doing to be whatever, more inclusive, more, like, you know, that's their issue to come up with solutions and to try to force something
2: to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I agree with you. It's I don't believe it is the ERG's responsibility to try to put in the work. I believe it's the work of the population that hasn't been engaged, but how do we get them to actively listen and to change their behaviors from action and impact? Mm -hmm. How do we get them to leverage the ERGs as opportunities to immerse themselves in a culture unlike their own to establish those networks and those relationships and those potential mentorships that could be had Mm -hmm. if they were to attend? How do we make them comfortable? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not giving them any excuses, but as a Black person, I know what it feels like to be uncomfortable in your own skin and to show up to an event where you're the only one. So you have a white male showing up to all-Black employees network, not that it's supposed to be all-Black, but you tend to reach the population that you're targeting. So everyone else tends to be that minority in that sense. How do we coach them on how to be uncomfortable how to get comfortable in uncomfortable spaces? Yeah, that's something we that. should talk about.
1: Yes, exactly. Love that. I
3: like that, Anitra. <laughs> love that.
1: Oh my God, I love that when you're talking about just even leaders using your seat of power. So, for example, actually another incredible leader at your company, Anitra, is wanting to coach someone in. Or get that resource. A woman of color is the resource she's trying to help. And I said, And what's your goal in this? She goes, I want to be able to put her name on my succession plan and not get questioned.
3: There you go.
1: Like mm-hmm. that is advocacy. That <laughs> is powerful. I advocate. was like, Yes. I'm so glad you called. This is so great. But that's using your seat of power to be like, Yes. I believe in this person. I'm going to put her name down. She just mm-hmm. needs some help so that she knows she deserves to be there. So no one questions yeah. why they see her name on my succession chart. And I was like, right. awesome.
3: I like yeah. that.
1: Brilliant. That's so, powerful. And I think, you know, that's part of this too, in terms of, of equity is you mentioned it, Anitria. Are you looking, look around you, white leaders in particular, because 99% of the seats of power are white. Mm-hmm. I made up that percentage. I don't know what it is. It's super high in case someone's like, is that the right percentage? Okay, <laughs> so it's we, a
3: lot. You understand, you you said it right. We understand everybody okay. listening, they just need to take a look around with open eyes yes. and see it for themselves and then determine what can they do to make a difference within the next six months? What, what is their plan of action? All you have to do is look around.
1: I'm with you, Dr. Vanessa. And I, I want to challenge those leaders who are in seats of power to be celebrating, you know, each quarter or each year. How did they use that seat of power to be a seat of change? Right. Mm-hmm. Change. Like, right. what does change look like? Like you said, nature, we don't have to make it hard. It's hard work, but it's not
3: hard. And inviting those in your organization to have these types of conversations. Just start easy. Just ask the question, what is it that you think we can do to increase the diversity on our team? Just ask the question. Love that. Simple question. Simple. Mm It may be hard for a leader to be
1: open to the truth, just like we've talked about our truth here, right? We have, we have to start with that acceptance piece that, okay, we are, we're here now. Let's accept it. Yeah. And now let's understand it so we can yes. take action. Yes. So, ladies, as we as we start to wrap this discussion up, we like to leave our listeners with a call to action, if you will. So, given we've had this great, robust discussion, we've gotten a lot of nooks and crannies. What's the one or two action you would leave them with of all the things we've discussed, or haven't even tabled yet, that you would leave them with to challenge them to take action on? And Itra, so, you want to start?
2: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, this has been such rich discussion, and and where I would say and challenge our leaders is to assess their list of mentees, the people that they're mentoring, the people that they're coaching. And I would ask them a question is how many of those mentees or or coaches don't look like you? And I would ask you to evaluate that list and diversify that list. Find you someone that doesn't look like you that you can mentor and that you can speak life into and help with their career. The other thing is I would assess your network. You know, what boards and businesses and corporations are you a part of um, that you connect with often? How many of those are Black-owned businesses? How, how many of them are, a, where is there a minority consultant, if you will? So look at that mentee list and diversify who you mentor and who you coach and also who you
3: network with as well. That.
2: That, was, that
3: was great. you. I like that. I don't know if I can top that.
1: <laughs> well,
3: I mean, you're, you're, you taught her. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I think one thing though, is before that leader begins that process, that leader should make sure that they have already begun some self reflection.
1: Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. That leader needs to determine what their position is personally and professionally, or it won't come across in the right way. Beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Allison, how about you? I'm still back on as a white person in the room that
0: even making that assessment of who I trust and how to increase that circle of trust in your life with different diversity levers, not even just, Gender, rape. Like, how do you make that circle of people who you have deep trust with, not just are acquainted with, or not just live next door to, but how do you widen that or make some significant impact in that group to bring
2: a different lens? And I guess I wanted to say, you know, if I to respond to that because I hear you grappling with it, and it's one small intentional step at a time, really. You know, the relationships that I've established where people don't look like me or aren't, you know, you know, the same religion as me. I met them and then we had a coffee and then eventually we had a lunch and then maybe we worked on a project together or maybe we went to an event together at work or outside of work. Or it was just small little intentional efforts to say, I'm going to get to know this person And then eventually they become a trusted ally. It's not going to happen overnight, but be intentional and do that next right thing. When you see the opportunity, you'll know when the opportunity is there. You
3: don't have to force it. It'll come. And there are organizations there. Like, for instance, I'm sure you have a Chamber of Commerce. Right. I'm sure you may know a friend on the Indiana Legislative Board, the State House. Yep. Well, well, there is a Black Caucus. There is also an Urban League of Indianapolis. My friend and colleague, President and CEO, Tony Mason. Mm-hmm. in Indi- So there, right there, is maybe three opportunities mm-hmm. to reach out and maybe... Invite yourself to attend a Chamber of Commerce meeting. Love that. Yes.
1: I love all these actions. Where my head goes is where you were headed, Dr. Vanessa, which is that interior journey of really, really doing the introspection to decide who you are and how you want to be and how you want to show up and what do you value? I mean, that was... Mm -hmm. I think facing myself as a part of this journey, that was really the hardest part. Once I did that, I was pretty open to all kinds of possibilities once I could face myself, you know, mm-hmm. and understand how I wanted to show up differently or whatever that was for me. So, and any you know, that small step thing, I just want to say, I can't wait till we get to the stage where we share bourbon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's common post pandemic, isn't it?
2: It is coming. We okay, have to good. celebrate.
1: Okay, good. Yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot to celebrate. All this work we're doing together,
2: this podcast. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. So, yeah. The last thing I would say is what you're speaking of, Sherry, is um, that confidence and security that I think all of us should have. When you become confident and secure in your beliefs and who you are, your own being, you care less about what other choices people are making. And you see them as human beings, just like yourself. And that's, <laughs> that's we have
1: got to. We have got to get Kent, our producer, to give us a sound that is a mic dropping, so we can just hit a button. <laughs> right. But especially these two, Allison, we need it for these two. It's like constant mic drop, mic drop. Thank. You I know. Don't
0: you're laughing at me because everything, my reactions to everything, are just like. <laughs> okay,
1: but no, it really is a shame the podcast is only audio because i feel like we should have just the video of allison as people right. are
2: listening to it <laughs> all the signs of allison <laughs> we should make the t-shirts and everything put it out there and get some
1: oh my god the allison emoji set thank you both for being with us as always we look forward to the next one with you
3: yeah awesome. thank, thank you. you thank you both
1: so wow, rich ground again today. So as as always, lots of ideas on actions you can take. And there are two things I think that stand out that we hope you consider, which is, of course, step one, doing your own introspection. And it's a shout out to Team TK, uh, yos, own your own stuff. How can you own you in this process? And then the second part, how can you move activity to impact? So thank you for joining us today on Power 2, Fight Forward.